Hello and welcome to Season 3, Episode 12 of Twin, Twin Talk, Talk MN. I'm Ryan. I'm Andrew. And today we have a really good episode for you. Andrew, the NFL playoffs are really heating up. Today, we have two conference championship games. We'll let you know who's playing and what we really think is going to happen. Also, in the NBA, we had another strong week. The coronavirus definitely got better, but still nowhere near perfect. And in the MLB, a ton of change. We'll let you know all of that and more on this very special episode. But let's jump right in. Andrew, update us on the NFL. We have Vine, as we know, last week, we already saw the Packers beat the Rams on last Saturday. And in a crazy, crazy game, the Ravens got defeated by the Bills. So we know that the Packers and Bills punched their ticket to play today in their conference championship game. But Vine, and then very next game, the Browns play the Chiefs. Everyone said, eh, the Chiefs are probably obviously going to win. But when we saw with the Browns against the Steelers two weeks ago, that was magic. And they almost pulled it off late in the game. Patrick Mahomes had a couple big injuries. He had a foot injury that took him out for, I believe, one whole drive. And then he had a major concussion, which left him basically unable to stand up on his own two feet. So he had to leave the game. It's all up to Chad Henne. The Chiefs had the ball. Up by, I believe, four or five points. Third down. If they get it, they win. If they don't, they might have to punt. And they don't get it. The Chiefs are either forced to punt or they could go for it. If they do go for it, they give the Browns and they don't get it. They give the Browns a really good chance to win the game. But if they go for it and they do get it, they win the game. A lot of people thought they'd just punt, which gave them probably about an 80% chance to win. But... They line up like they're about to hike the ball and throw for it. But most teams just do this, try to get the other team off sides. But then, Chad Henney hikes the ball. No one's expecting it. Not one person. Then, Tyreek Hill goes out for the screen, catches it. Five-yard pass, sits down on the ground, looks so happy. The Chiefs win that game behind Chad Henney and Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy. Amazing play call to end the game. The Chiefs will play the Bills today. That'll be a great, great game. But Ryan, in the second game, the Breeze versus Brady, Saints versus Bucks, the amazing wide receivers and the amazing defenses. Ryan, just minutes before the game, Drew Brees announced that he will not play again next season and end his career after this season. So, knowing that, I really, really wanted the Saints to win. Get a Super Bowl for Breeze after being knocked out of the playoffs in three very hard ways the past three years. Ryan, it was looking like a great game. Teams were neck and neck, field goal after field goal, touchdown after touchdown. Such a good game, but then, Ryan, Jubies, something just much to kicked in, maybe his age, just something, and he ends up throwing three interceptions against probably maybe one of the best offenses we've seen besides the Chiefs in the last decade with the Bucks. There's just no way you can return from that. The Saints lost 30-20, ending Jubies' Hall of Fame career. And after the game, met up with Tom Brady on the field to congratulate him. And actually, threw some footballs to each other's kids on the field. Touchdowns. Drew Brees left the stadium with one final look back at his Hall of Fame Super Bowl phenomenal career. I have to say that when he did that, I think almost every single person watching had at least one team in their eye seeing one of the greats of all time leave. But another news... Brady did win the matchup. He is headed to the NFC Championship game against the Green Bay Packers. Vine, 
Can you break us down what is going to happen in each of these two conference championship games? Yes, I can, Andrew. And the Buccaneers, coming into the playoffs, were not looking very good. They didn't even win their division. But this team has just been dominant throughout the playoffs against the Saints. Getting four dang interceptions off of Drew Brees, one of the best of all time. But, if we remember correctly, the Packers and Buccaneers played each other in the regular season. It started off like any other game for the Packers. Quick drive down the field, easy touchdown, get a stop, bring the ball back, score an easy field goal, 10-0 lead, Buccaneers turn the ball over again. But then, just like in the Saints game against the Buccaneers um, last week, something clicked for the Packers. And Rodgers comes down the field, throws an interception. It's returned for a touchdown. Okay, okay. Packers still up by three with the ball. Another interception. Return down to the three-yard line. Buccaneers running in for touching on the next play. Okay, okay. Packers down by four with the ball. They could still do okay. But no, the Buccaneers killed them in that game. I don't think the Buccaneers will kill the Packers. But what we know about the Packers, if Devontae Adams, maybe the number one wide receiver in the entire league, isn't doing well, they could maybe lose. And personally, I think the Buccaneers will win this game today. It will be a crazy game. Andrew, can you break down the Bills versus the Chiefs today? Oh yeah, Ryan. As I said, the Chiefs had a crazy game against the Browns, and Patrick Mahomes got injured. And most people are saying, eh, he's probably fine, just small injury. But no, he got a full-on concussion, which for those who don't know, usually keeps NFL players in the game that they're playing where they get the concussion out for the rest of the game. And they're usually probable for the week after that game. And Mahomes was cleared to play, I believe, two days ago, full participant to practice. But for those of you who have had a concussion, probably know. It kind of hurts your sense of balance or kind of blurs your vision just a tiny bit. And yeah, fine. If you're just going to school or just walking around, you can maybe put your hands out, kind of feel around for things, might bang in things. When you're in the NFL, in the conference championship game, having tons of guys right around offensive linemen. You are right behind a defensive lineman, trying to push you down any means necessary. It seems like it'll be really hard for Patrick Holmes, but he is probably the best quarterback in the league, so I'm sure he'll do great. With the Bills, we know that last week, it was a big game against the Ravens. Their offense, even against the Colts, kind of stalled out in both games. As many people know, they have a great quarterback in Josh Allen and the great wide receiver in Stephon Diggs. But those guys haven't been the heroes the last two weeks. It's been the defense. The defense has really carried them. But, as you just heard me say, Colts, probably one of the worst offenses in the league. Ravens, another one bad offense in the league. Chiefs, the top offense in the league. In my opinion, if the Bills want to win this, they have to get Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs for probably at least 150 yards in two or three touchdowns to even come close to bringing down the three-headed monster of Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and Tyreek Hill. For the Chiefs to win, I feel like they just have to do what they do best. Keep their offense throwing hard and far. Get Tyreek Hill hot. Get Travis Kelsey hot. Get Mahomes out of the pocket. Get him thrown to those great players. And on the other side of the ball, I just feel like the Bills' defense has to be great. And the Chiefs' defense has to shut down Stephon Diggs as fast as possible. But, Ryan, we all know what's going on in the playoffs. But let's talk about some head coaching candidates and where they might go. Ryan, we know that the Jets hired Robert Saleh last week. We also know some other teams and who they had.
But, that, in the last week, there have been some huge, huge hiring. As we know, the Eagles fired Doug Peterson and hired Colts offensive coordinator Nick Sirianni. I really don't know why this happened, as the Colts do not have a very good offense, but a great defense. I feel like the Colts or the Eagles maybe just want to go with a guy who's not very well known, hoping to find Diamond in the rough, but I really, really don't know why this happened. And then, the Rams defensive coordinator, Brandon Staley, was hired by the Chargers. I have to say, the Rams defense was phenomenal this year. Definitely number one, but with the Chargers? who maybe have one of the most promising offenses in the entire league. I don't really understand this whatsoever, but I do feel like he's a good coach. And right, Dan Campbell, I believe the former just up tight end quarterback, wide receiver, running back coach of the Dolphins, not even a full-fledged offensive coordinator, was hired by the Dolphins. I really, ooh, sorry, the Lions, the Lions. I really do not understand this, but in a press conference, he said, we are going to be amazing. They knock us down, when they get back up, and bite one of their kneecaps off. They knock us down again, we're going to bite the other one off. We are never going to stop biting kneecaps. We don't understand what his deal is with kneecaps, but if he can get the lines to even win six games, he'll probably keep his job. And, Ryan, the Texans have not found their coach yet. Well, this could be good, since two, in my opinion, of the top head coaching candidates and Eric Yunmi and Brian Dable have still not been hired. And Todd Bulls, who I might add, are all still in the playoffs until at least 8 o'clock today. And cannot be hired until their team is eliminated. So I feel like out of the Texans, only head coaching avail- available team right now, they should try to get beyond me. Because as many people remember, Deshaun Watson, their superstar quarterback, has said that he does not want to be there without Bianami. And he's still open. In other Deshaun Watson news, he has named who his top two teams are that he wants to go to. Number one, I feel like this is idiotic. Like, why would he say this? He said he wants to go to the New York Jets. I do not understand this. The Jets are probably the worst team in the league. And from what I've seen from Deshaun Watson, he doesn't want the money. He doesn't want the amazing coaching staff. He doesn't want to be famous. He wants to win a Super Bowl. He wants to win a ring. He wants to win it all. And the Jets are probably the farthest team from winning it all. If I had to name the team who's going to be the worst next season, I'd put all my money on the Jets. Then he said he might want to go to the Dolphins just because he really likes um, their coach and Brian Flores and how they run things, I guess. But, I mean, they do already have two. Uh, but why would you want to go to the Jets? So the Texans have to hire Eric Bieniemy. But... The NFL is winding down, but Ryan, the NBA is just getting started. Ryan, over the course of the last week, the NBA has really been heating up. We've really learned who the top players and teams are. Ryan, can you tell us who some of those people are? Why, yes, I can. And currently, some of the best players in the league, the MVP favorites, clearly Nikola Jokic, who has been one easily the most dominant player in the week the entire season. Also, Andrew, James Harden on the Nets may not be scoring as many points or getting as much playing time, but still clearly looking like an MVP favorite. Luka Doncic, only in his third season with the Mavericks, looks like a clear MVP favorite. Kevin Durant, obviously every single season of his entire career, has been in the MVP conversation, and this one is no different. But also, Andrew, Washington Wizards shooting guard Bradley Beal 
has just been dominant this year. In past years, he was a little bit too young. Other people thought he wasn't going to be good enough. But this year, oh, he is good enough. Bradley Beal has been dominant this year, averaging tons of points per game and clearly in the MVP conversation. Now, let's get to some of the best defensive players in the league. Anthony Davis, Joel Embiid, Kawhi Leonard, Miles Turner, I'm guessing you haven't heard of him, Pacer Center, averaging tons of blocks per game. Five blocks per game, which is crazy good. Last season, the leader at the end of the season was what, like two blocks per game? But obviously, Miles Turner has only played a couple of games. This will clearly be unsustainable pace, but still, five blocks per game is incredible. And Carl Anthony Towns. Now, Andrew. Obviously, we can just say the normal rookies of the year, LaMelo Ball, Tyrese Halliburton, Isaac Okoro, James Wiseman, or the coaches of the really good teams, coach of the Pacers, coach of the Clippers, coach of the Suns, but one award that we can really discuss is the most improved player. Obviously, it goes to the most improved player. One is Zach Levine. We all know last year he was very good, but this year he's taking it to all new heights. He's just been easily one of the top players in the league. Jeremy Grant of the Pistons last year, not barely even playing at all for the Nuggets. This year, one of the top players in the league for the Pistons, mostly because they've no one else, but still, he's been really good. Pacers forward, DeMonte Sabonis. He's always been very good, but man, this guy has just been playing out of his mind of late. Julius Randle for the Knicks. We know that he's definitely on the order end, but he sure doesn't look like it. And clearly, clearly the favorite, Christian Wood for the Rockets. Last year on the Pistons, terrible, got no playing time, wasn't good. This year, easily top 30 player in the league, absolutely dominant. And, Andrew, right now the top teams in the league are the Clippers, the Lakers, the Jazz, and the 76ers. And the worst teams are the Timberwolves, Pistons, and Wizards. Now, Andrew, obviously the James Harden deal happened over a week ago, but let's check up on some of the people. James Harden has looked great, but obviously not enough points to go around for a new continuous dominance. Karis LeVert is still yet to play. Jared Allen has looked amazing for the Cavaliers, and Teron Prince, the other decent player they got, has been pretty okay. Victor Oladipo has looked incredible for the Rockets, which was expected, but obviously the Rockets are terrible. Now, Andrew, let's get to some injuries. Bojan Bogdanovich, Kevin Love is nearing a return. Mavericks have been hit hard by the virus. Dorian Finley-Smith, Dwight Powell, and Maxi Kleber, and Josh Richardson are all out. Pistons' Killian Hayes had a huge injury, and he'll be out for a very long time. John Wall of the Rockets. Jaron Jackson Jr. is nearing a return for the Grizzlies. Jonas Valanciunas tested positive for the virus a couple of days ago, so he'll be out for a couple more days. Probably not back by the next time we talk to you. Heat shooting guard Tyler here will come back soon, and Jimmy Butler has been out for a few weeks now, but should be back soon. I believe we said this last week, but Trailblazer shooting guard CJ McComb has a huge injury and will be out for at least a month. Derek White remains out for the Spurs. Danny Avdija and Rui Hachimura remain out for the Washington Wizards. Now, Andrew, obviously we don't want to get into this a ton because we have the entire season to bicker and bicker and bicker about this topic. But Andrew, the Nets or the Warriors in the championship, who would you have? Uh, I think Vine means the Nets or the Lakers. Obviously, the Warriors have been great for probably the last 20 years, but obviously this year, they're not. So, Vine, I just feel like it has to be the Lakers. Don't get me wrong. The Nets have more superstars. They probably have the better all-around player, and James Harden is probably the best out of the five top players. But I feel like the Lakers know how to play as a team. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to give you all that sappy stuff of, Ooh, the team chemistry, or how much you want it, or I'll never quit, so I will achieve. 
But I just feel like almost everyone on the Lakers was there on the championship team last year. LeBron James, countless rings, countless MVPs. He's been amazing every season. Kevin Durant, coming off an injury. Kyrie Irving, coming off an injury. James Harden, I don't even know if he wants to play in the NBA anymore. I really don't know what he's up to. Also, I feel like with the Lakers, all of their guys do different things. Anthony Davis is a brute power forward that is probably the best defender in the league. LeBron James, definitely the best offensive player in the league. But with the Nets, Kyrie Irving and James Harden basically do the same thing. Throw up a bunch of shots, make about half of them, act like they're the best player in the league, but they're not. Kevin Durant, wow, he's a great shooter, but can he be a good defender? Can he be a good driver? I feel like the Lakers have to be the better team here. Yeah, personally, I just think it's the Nets. I mean, James Harden is so incredibly dominant. I don't think there's a single player on the Lakers that can really guard him well. Fine, maybe you double guard him. Well, then they also got Kyrie Irving, who's maybe a top 15 player in the entire league. Fine, you want to double guard both of them? You also have Kevin Durant, in my opinion, the best mid-range shooter of this generation. I feel like the Nets' top three duo, or trio, just dominates any team in the week. Right now, they're not the best since they've just started playing together, but I feel like in a couple of months, They'll be too dominant to stop. But Andrew, let's move on to the MLB. Obviously, right now, we're deep in the heart of the offseason. But we've been hearing some news. What can you tell us about some trades and free agent signings? Well, Ryan, a guy who has been on the trade block for a feels like ever from one of the worst teams in the league, the Pittsburgh Pirates. And their decent starting pitcher, Joe Musgrove, have featured you with the San Diego Padres, sent Joe Musgrove to the Padres in exchange for... I think a late round draft pick or a decent, um, a decent young guy that could be good soon. But I feel like with this addition to the Padres, that rounds out the pitching staff. They have Hugh Darvish, who almost won Cy Young last year. Blake Snell, who has won Cy Young. Chris Patton, who has been really good. Denelson Lynn, who I believe was fourth in Cy Young voting last year. And Joe Musgrove. And don't forget, their hitting and relief pitching is definitely top five at each of those in the league. Amazing sign and trade. But, Ryan, maybe the third best free agent out there, George Springer, has decided which team he wants to sign with. And that team is the Toronto Blue Jays. You might say, oh my god, the Blue Jays. Why do you want to go there? They're not very good. But, if you really think about it, they're not great right now. But, as Ryan, I believe, told a story about maybe six or seven months ago about their top three baby Blue Jays. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Kevon Biggio, and Bo Bichette are three of the most promising players in the MLB. And, to go around with an okay starting pitching, Hinjin Ryu, and also the pretty decent pen. But, I feel like in a couple of years, this team could be phenomenal. And they also have Lourdes Gurriel. Vandal Gritchuk, Teoscar Hernandez, and a great catcher in Dan Jansen. I feel like this team could be great very soon. But, Ryan, I just want to say, for the last couple months, we've been hearing about some of the bigger guys' fault. Let's talk about some lesser guys and where they have gone or resigned. Yeah, Andrew, one smaller guy is the Dodgers' decent utility player, Kike Hernandez. Signed a two-year deal with the Boston Red Sox. Also, the Padres re-signed Jerickson Profar to an extension. And the Houston Astros reportedly signed Michael Brantley to an extension. Now, Andrew, 
We know that there's one of the best pitchers in the league still out there. What have you heard about Trevor Bauer? Well, yeah, Vine. I've heard from Ken Rosenthal, maybe the probably most important LB insider, and he said that there are four big teams looking in on getting Trevor Bauer. Those teams have the Dodgers, the Mets, the Blue Jays, and the Twins. I feel like for any one of these teams, it'd give them a huge boost to get Bauer since he probably is either the best or second best pitcher in the entire league. Brian, also quickly, this is Twins news, so we'll get to it soon, but the Twins signed James Paxton, or J.A. Happ, to a one-year deal worth about $8 million. We'll talk about this more once we talk about the Twins, but Ryan, we have to get to some college basketball. We haven't been talking about it in a while because there's not really much going on, but Ryan, let's discuss who, what has been going on. Yeah, Andrew, Obviously, best teams are doing well, the bad teams are doing bad. But let's talk about some upsets here. Andrew, Iowa, top 10 team in the country, played unranked Indiana and lost. Iowa lost by 12 to a very bad team. Also, Andrew, unranked Oklahoma, knocked off top 10 Kansas. Unranked Syracuse, knocked off number 16 in the country, Virginia Tech. Now, Andrew, last night... Personally, I like love to watch top teams play other top teams. But in this game, it was more top player versus other top team. Oklahoma State, led by Cade Cunningham, projected number one overall pick versus Jalen. No, sorry, versus Gerard Butler, projected top five pick, and the Baylor Bears, which are probably the number two team in the country. And I thought, ooh, it's going to be a really close matchup. I'm guessing Cade Cunningham for Oklahoma State will score maybe 20, 30 points. He didn't score 30. He didn't score 20. He barely scored any. He had a terrible game. Butler killed Oklahoma State. And obviously an incredible game for Gerard Butler, their projected top five overall pick. Once again, the top teams in the country, Gonzaga, Baylor, Villanova, Iowa, Texas, Tennessee, Michigan, Houston, Kansas, and Wisconsin. Now, Andrew, let us move on to you talking. Before we move on to me talking, if you noticed on that list, there weren't UNC, Auburn, Duke, or even Kentucky. And you might say, eh, it's fine, they're probably 11, 12, 13, 14, but no! Duke, UNC, and Kentucky are all unranked. That means not top 25 teams, I believe for the first time in almost, I believe, 75 years. This is a historic year, but I feel like if it was going to be any year, it would be this year. I feel like with COVID, so many teams are in disarray without their best or sometimes even second best players. Teams are down a lot of guys, even if they're not the best. Teams are scrambling to gather up the guys, scrambling to get practices, and, and scrambling to keep everyone healthy and safe. So, this isn't a huge surprise, but I have to say, those all three teams unranked is monumental. Vine, real fast, before we get to some Minnesota sports teams, let us talk about some of the top guys in this draft. As Ryan said, Cade Cunningham. He's not been looking amazing, but I have to say, if I was the team with the number one pick in the league, I'd probably go with him. And Jalen Suggs out of Gonzaga is looking phenomenal. He is definitely looking like the number two pick if Cade Cunningham goes first. Or maybe he could even be number one. And Evan Mobley is really taking after Anyeka Okongwu, 
who, as many people know, went in this year's draft to the Atlanta Hawks out of USC. Same as Evan Mobley as a center. Same as Evan Mobley. And really, not many people knew about him before college, but he is putting on a show. He looks phenomenal. And also, Ziari Williams is apparently looking very, very good at Stanford. A lot of people like him. I believe he's a forward, so he could be very high in this year's draft. But Vine, let's get to some Minnesota Timberwolves news. Vine, we know that Carl Anthony Towns is out with the coronavirus. So, I'm guessing we didn't win any games. And even if we didn't win any games, hopefully we nailed down our roster. Well, kind of. I mean, we did actually win last night, which was really, really surprising. But our roster is still in extreme disarray. We were so close to beating the Magic. Here is the scene. Timberwolves, up by two, five, second, er, five seconds left. We have the ball. We're definitely going to win. We have the ball. What are they going to do? Foul us. We make both free throws. What? They have two seconds left. No way. But, and obviously, we should be putting in our best free throw shooters. It's pretty much guaranteed they're going to foul us, right? So, we put in five guys on the court. One of them is Jared Vanderbilt. Okay, okay, fine. He's not very good at free throw shooting. Hopefully, we don't give him the ball, and he's just there since he's really tall and maybe can rebound the basketball. Yeah, obviously, he won't get fouled. Everyone on the Timberwolves is not ready for the ball besides one person. Jared Vanderbilt, he catches the ball. One of the worst free throw shooters we have is fouled. Okay, okay. Three seconds left. Two free throws. We're up by two. As long as he doesn't miss both, we're fine. First shot goes up. It's a miss. Come on, man. Come on. Okay, fine. One more shot. As long as you make this one, everything will be fine. Steps to the line. The shot goes up. He misses. He misses the second one. Magic. Don't have any timeouts. Their rookie point guard, Cole Anthony, grabs the rebound, takes it down court. Two, one. He can't even stop running. He has to just sprint down the court. Throws up the craziest shot I've ever seen. Barely looking at the ball. Throws it up. If it goes in the magic one, he has like a negative 2% chance to make it. No way he's going to make it. The shot goes up. He makes it. He makes it. All the Timberwolves needed to do, all they needed to do was make one free throw and not let the best play I've seen in the past four NBA seasons happen to them. And guess what? It did. The Timberwolves stink. We are so bad right now. Yesterday, we did play the New Orleans Pelicans, who are one of the worst teams in the league. And luckily, we were able to beat them without one of their top players, Lonzo Ball and Zion Williamson, I believe. No, but- they were both there. And mine, we also didn't have D'Angelo Vasso. Which I feel like it's just a miracle that we won. It was a crazy game. We didn't play the best basketball, but they probably played the worst basketball they possibly could. So we pulled off the win. So we have Carthy Towns, who hopefully will come back by the next time we talk to you. But right in his absence, Nas Reed has been looking really good. If you remember from a couple of episodes ago, we said that he's not a great offensive center. He only averages like nine or ten points per game, but he does get. Maybe six or seven rebounds. Maybe one or two blocks, one or two steals per game, which is really impressive. But Ryan, yesterday, he put up 20 points. 20, I believe, might be his career high. And Anthony Edwards, who I might add before this game, 
was was three for twenty-five on his last twenty-five shot attempts, which I might add is horrible. Had a really good game. Fifteen points, I believe two assists and maybe two rebounds. Great game for him. And Jared Vanderbilt really stepped up. He's been really our only good rebounder when Cal is out. And he went sixteen points and twelve rebounds. A great game for him. And Ricky Rubio came back last night. Jake Lehman is back, so really, we just have Carson Towns and Rancho Hernan Gomez still out. But Malik Beasley really not do well last night. But Ryan, can you say that Jared Vanderbilt has stepped in and earned his spot as our starting power forward? Or do you feel like, nah, not really? Well, in Cat's absence, probably over Rancho Hernan Gomez. Well, in Cat's back, I feel like we have to play Nas Reed at power forward. Now, if the Timberwolves say, well, we really prefer Nas Reed off the bench as Cat's backup, then fine. Maybe then you have Jared Vanderbilt starting at power forward. But personally, I don't think he should be a starting power forward with Carl Anthony Townsend. He's good, but he's not that good, and I feel like he still needs a little bit of time. Yeah, but then we have to discuss who is going to be our small forward. We really don't know. Personally, going into the season, I really liked Josh Okoye playing there. But he has not been good at all. Then I kind of like Jared Culver playing there. But he's basically been even worse. Then I said, maybe we should go with the starting lineup of Ricky Rubio at the point guard, D'Angelo Russell at the shooting guard, and Malik Beasley at small forward. I don't think we've tried out that lineup yet this season. I would love to see it in at least one or two games for Ryan Saunders, but I really don't know. Ryan, real quick, before we get into some gopher basketball. Ryan, a lot of people have been saying Ryan Saunders, our coach, has not been looking good this season. But our owner, Glenn Terry, said his job is not in jeopardy yet. Ryan, do you think we should make a move right now, or do you think we can wait a little? Personally, right now, no. Should we wait a little? Probably. Do we have to wait a little? No. I mean, is he a fairly good coach? Yes, I think he's a fairly solid coach. And if someone is willing to come to our team for not a lot, I would be willing to give them an opportunity. But I don't think we should just fire him on the spot right now. Our team is not very good. Many of our players are very young, and we need a great young coach like Saunders to develop them. If Culver doesn't become that good, Vanderbilt, Reed, Okogie, Edwards, none of them are really taking that next step into a solid player, and maybe we need to reconsider. Right now, Carl Anthony Towns has been looking amazing. D'Angelo Russell looking amazing. Mike Beasley, from this season to last season, has been looking amazing under Ryan Saunders. Let's give him some time. He's done some good things. Let's reward him with some more time. Now, Andrew, let's get to the Gopher basketball. This week, we played Maryland. And lost by 12. Maryland is not good at all. And the Gophers played terrible. This past Tuesday, we were ranked the number 17 team in the country. It is not okay to lose to Maryland. Andrew, I believe that in the next coming days, er, in the next couple of weeks, we play Michigan, which is actually... Well, I guess that we don't. Andrew, do you think the Gophers, where do you think we should be ranked this Tuesday? In my opinion, obviously this was a bad loss to Maryland. But, as we said last week, we beat Michigan. We beat Iowa. And we beat a lot of other good Big Ten teams. So, in my opinion, I feel maybe we should be ranked 22, 23. I mean, 17. That's pretty good ranking. It's pretty fair. And then we lose to not a great team. They're okay. I feel like probably early 20s, maybe 24 or worse. But Ryan, let's real fast before we move on, talk about 
Ryan, how far do you think we could possibly go in March Madness? I mean, personally, I feel like every single week we need to discuss this question. Clearly, we're going to make the top 64. I believe there's a very good chance that we win our first matchup and make it into the top 32. But the question that we need to ask ourselves every single week, will we win that game? Clearly, clearly, it depends on who we play. Obviously, if we play a really good team, we'll probably lose. But obviously, if we play a decent team, we could win. But making it into the top 16 would be an incredible feat. Right now, in my mind, I don't believe we will win that matchup when we are in the top 32. Andrew, what is your opinion right this very second? Yeah, Vine, I feel that probably not. As you may know, obviously, the March Madness is pretty easy to track. When it's the final 32 teams, you obviously have 32 teams. And if the Gophers, right now, as they were at their best, 17th, that would mean that they lose to the number 16 team. But that would be very close. Only one different seat. So that gives us a really good chance to make an upset. But if we keep on losing teams like Maryland, that could force us into maybe 30, 35, which would be almost impossible to make the top 16 also to make the top 32. So in my opinion, we have to keep winning games now to make it easier for the tournament. Yeah. Now, personally, we I completely agree that that is what might happen there. Now, right now, I am I right now, let us get to the NFL draft right now. Andrew, we have done the top 4 picks right now, but quickly, let's get to the number 5 and 6 picks. Right now, the number with the number 5 kick pick, it's the Bengals. Personally, I think they definitely need to take Penny Sewell, offensive tackle out of Oregon. He's a great player to help their terrible offensive line. Andrew, what do you think for the Eagles? Yeah, I agree. I also feel like if Micah Parsons is open, linebacker out of Penn State, they have to go with him. Or they could also go with um, they could also go with Quiddy Payne if he's open, defensive end out of Michigan. Ryan, for the Eagles, we know that they just fired the coach Doug Peterson and hired a weird offensive coordinator. But Ryan, I think we can both agree that they should take the top wide receiver on the board. They blew on DK Metcalf and Justin Jefferson. You can't blow this. You gotta take Jamar Chase if he's open, or if Devontae Smith is open, he'd be a generational talent. But here is a story by the great person from Ryan. Yeah, his name is Hank Aaron. Technically, his birth name was Henry Aaron, but I'm just gonna call him Hank if that's okay with you. Hank Aaron was born in 1934 in Alabama. He had seven siblings. One of his brothers, named Tommy, also played in Major League Baseball and added 13 home runs to the family total. Aaron's family was Hank Aaron's family was very poor growing up and couldn't afford baseball equipment. We know that some poor baseball players started using brooms and hit makeshift balls, but Hank, he wasn't even able to do that much. He just went outside, found a stick, and found a bottle cap, and hit it. The best hitter in baseball history used tiny sticks to hit bottle caps as a kid. He loved baseball. And growing up, when he was in elementary school, there were no black players in the MLB, with the MLB and the Negro Leagues separated. But from an early age, he heard of Jackie Robinson fighting for what he believed in, which was equality. Hank Aaron knew that Jackie was fighting for the right thing and idolized him for it, trying his best to listen to games and understand Jackie's fight for equality. He was thrilled when he was in middle school in 1947, and Jackie broke into the major leagues with a hot bat. In high school, you might expect that Hank would have jumped onto the field and dominated, but there was no team in his high school. 
He was, though, able to join an incredible club team where he played first and third base. He was a great power hitter, hitting very far. Most power hitters are constantly swinging for the fences, but Hank just swung normally and continued to crush baseball after baseball and also had a solid average. At just at the age of just barely 15 in 1949, when Jackie Robinson had already start, started to make tons of headlines in the majors, Hank got his first major league tryout. It was with the Brooklyn Dodgers. Hank would have loved to go to them as they were in the north part of the country, which treated black people much better than in the south. He played for a huge... He, at the time, he was playing for a huge club team where he was paid a, a decent amount of money. He made $3, which now would be $100. That's pretty great for a 15-year-old, which is incredible. In 1951, at the age of just 17, Hank felt he was ready for the major leagues and took a deal with the Indianapolis Clowns, which were in the Negro Leagues. He earned $200 a month. Now, that's $2,000, which isn't great for his caliber of a baseball player, but remember, he was 17 and making $2,000 a month, about $12,000 a season. That's very good for only a 17-year-old. He had an incredible season and one of the best for a hitter in the Negro Leagues. He was offered two deals in the MLB, one to the Boston Braves and one to the New York Giants. Hank enjoyed both of them, and the Giants had Willie Mays, who was Hank's idol. But the Braves offered $50 more, so he accepted. Just $50 was the only thing that kept Hank Aaron, maybe the best turner in MLB history, from playing with Willie Mays, another one of the best hitters in MLB history. But he was with the Boston Braves. When Aaron's team traveled around the country, he experienced racism all over. Hank quoted, We had breakfast while we were waiting for the rain to stop, and I can still envision sitting with the clowns in a restaurant behind Griffith Stadium and hearing them break all the plates in the kitchen after we finished eating. What a horrible sound. Even as a kid, the irony hit me. Here we were in the capital, in the land of freedom and equality, and they had to destroy the plates that had touched the forks that had been in the mouths of black men. If dogs had eaten off those plates, they'd have washed them. This is very sad. In 26 Negro League games, Hank hit an incredible... 36% or 366 out of 1,000, which is unheard of. The last time an MLB player hit that good was 2013, eight years ago, seven seasons. Hank signed a $10,000 deal to join the Braves, which is $100,000 right now. When he was only 18, imagine when you were 18, making $100,000 on a deal. The person who signed him, what, who was negotiating, said he was thrilled to get Hank for such a low price and said he would have gone up to $100,000 then. Right now? That's $1 million! He was in the minor leagues. He had an incredible season and made the All-Star game and won Rookie of the Year in the minor leagues. He had an incredible season. And in his second year, he also had a very good year. But he still experienced tons of racism wherever he went. People are constantly discriminating against him. He was also extremely homesick when he would, where he would hide from racism. But he talked to his brother, 
who told him not to blow this huge opportunity to stand up for what he believed in. In his next season, he dominated and in one of the best seasons in minor league history, setting many records and winning most valuable player in the minor leagues. Hank continued to dominate, and the racism continued to be terrible in 1954. He went to training camp with the Braves. He started a game in spring training. He was good and made the team, and made his major league debut on April 13, 1954. He started to be a great power hitter for the team, and earned the nickname Hammer and Hank. In his second season, he hit an incredible 314 average and a great 27 home runs and 106 RBIs. All would be incredible in the MLB in 2019. That was the last full MLB season. And Aaron was 19! 19! Setting tons of incredible records. He also made the All-Star Game in only his second season. For the next couple of years, he was dominant and hit tons of home runs in 20. Sorry, in 14 years of the next 14 years of his career, hitting almost 500 home runs. He was incredible. That's when he started the chase. It was the chase for Babe Ruth's record of 714 home runs. That was thought to be unbeatable. Hank was easy to get through from the public, being so good. But the racism got so terrible. He was getting thousands of death threats and hate emails of people telling him to retire or else. He basically had to go into hiding and only come out for games and run away right after the, right after back, right after the games, right back into hiding. In the 1973 season, at age 39, he had 40 home runs, which is legendary. That made his career total at 700. The next number is a one. If I say a four next to you, Ty Bruce record, it was a three. He was one away from tying Babe Ruth, and the season was over. It was fully expected that Hank would return for the following season. And when Hank was asked about catching the total, he said it really had barely crossed his mind. But he just said he really hopes he would make it to next season. The death threats were getting crazy. He actually set a world record for most mail given to one person who was not a politician. 930,000. 930,000. In 1974, he hit his 715th home run, and sadly, what should have been the happiest moment of his life was good with a lot of people who had before not liked him cheering him on, but there were still tons of boos, which really upset him, which should have been one of the greatest moments of his life, and one of the greatest announcers of all time, Vin Scully, was announcing. On October 2nd of that 1974 season, he returned to Milwaukee, at 733 home runs. In 1976, he retired and joined the Braves as an executive. He had a very good career, and in 1982, was inducted into the Hall of Fame. Hank had a wife and five children. He moved back to Atlanta and lived there since. And sadly, in 2013, his home was extremely burglarized, with tons of things stolen and two huge cars. Luckily, they were all recovered, but... He kind of got the message that people had not accepted him. He received the coronavirus vaccine on January 5th, just a couple of weeks ago. And sadly, a couple of days after, he knew that his life was coming to an end. He had been sleeping more than ever, and in the past week, just two days ago, while sleeping, he died. 
He was just two weeks away from his 87th birthday, clearly at the age of 86. His home run total was surpassed by Barry Bonds, but the chances of him using steroids were shockingly high, and it was pretty clear that Barry Bonds was using steroids to increase his total home runs. If those were affecting him, which it's extremely clear that they were, then Hank Aaron holds the home run for most record for most home runs in MLB history. And even if he's not number one, he will clearly go down as one of the best hitters in MLB history. We love and remember Hank Aaron, who passed away at the age of 86 just two days ago. Now, let's get to the birthday of the day. It's a great MLB player, and Andrew has a great story about him. Yeah, Ryan, today's birthday is Whit Merrifield. Most people probably don't know and that's not surprising. He plays for the Kansas City Royals, which many people know are one of the worst teams in the MLB today. But they're owned by Patrick Mahomes, who, as many people know, is the quarterback for the Chiefs. Pretty sure he's not a huge fan of baseball, but he's definitely a very good marketing and owner. And a couple of years ago, Mahomes was talking to Witt about the team in the Royals. And Mahomes was saying, oh, Witt, I'm really happy that you're here. You are really one of the top players on the team. And I really hope that you can lead us to another World Series. Because they did, I believe, five or six years ago. And then Witt said, thanks, well, you know. <laughs> I'm just uh, trying to do my job. And I'm sure that if I come around, everyone will come around with me. And Mahomes said, no. Witt, you are the team. If you don't do well, we don't do well. This seems like it'd be such an inspirational quote. Saying that you are the heart and soul of the team. I don't think he meant heart and soul. I think he meant you are the only good player. You are basically the only good player. This is basically true. The Royals really don't have that many other good players besides Whit Mayerfield. So, if Patrick Mahomes says that you're the best player, you should probably listen to him. But, Ryan, we have a bunch of news in the sports world going on over the past week. So, let's start talking about that. Yeah, Andrew, there is a bunch of news all over the sports world right now. And one of them is, sadly, another death in the sports world. Hall of Fame Dodgers player Don Sutton passed away. Also, Andrew, Friday, without also being Hank Aaron's the day that he passed away, it marked the anniversary of Kobe Bryant's 81-point game, which is one of the best games in NBA history. Obviously, Kobe Bryant passed away in the past year, so this will be a very large anniversary for that incredible day. Also, Andrew, we knew that Colts quarterback Philip Rivers was pretty close to retiring, and we are pretty sure it'd be this season where he would become a free agent, but he has retired. Another one of the greats, probably a Hall of Famer, but did throw some of the most interceptions in sports history. But he is retired. And as Andrew said before, Drew Brees is retired. Also, Bears defensive coordinator Chuck Pagano, who I believe I did a story on a couple of weeks ago, will retire. Currently, the best coaches available for hiring, Todd Bowles, defensive coordinator for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Eric Bieniemy, offensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs, and Brian Dable, offensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills. Obviously, Bieniemy or Dable will be available to be hired after their their teams play each other today. Also, Andrew Matthew Stafford looks he will not return to the Lions after the season. Also, Andrew in the boxing world, Conor McGregor got knocked out in a fight where he was heavily favored against Dustin Proyer. Also, Andrew, Michigan, the college, halts all activities after tons of positive tests. And I would just like to inform everyone that sadly, in the past six months, 
nine Hall of Fame baseball players have passed away. Whitey Ford, Tommy Lasorda, Bob Gibson, Don Sutton, Joe Morgan, Lou Brock, Tom Seifer, Al Killeen, and obviously, now, Hank Aaron. Next week on the podcast, we will know who's playing in the Super Bowl! We'll probably have more MLB news, more NBA news. Andrew will be doing another great birthday. I will be doing a story about one of the biggest civil rights activists of any player in sports history, Craig Hodges, next week on Twin Talk MN.